The following audio is via a Skype call. Power comes from an inner knowing, inner joy, inner awareness, inner freedom, and a higher power. The Art of Powerful Living Radio with Robert Schoenfeld is here to inspire every human to live lives that are rich, fulfilling, on purpose, and fun. Get ready to take this journey and discover the power of joy in all aspects of life. This show is life-transforming. You will hear Dr. Pat and Robert discuss topics on joy, love, art, and expanding our minds to what's possible. Join Dr. Pat Basili and Robert Schoenfeld in the Art of Powerful Living Radio, starting right now. Yeah, everybody, my friend Robert is joining me here today. He is a gifted artist. He is an author. He's a joy activist. He's a teacher. He's a healer. He's a radio host and a dancer as well. And today, what we're doing is something I've been so excited to talk with him about, and that's living life as a great adventure. And, you know, that means something different for, for each of us. But you can see with Robert out in the world now, and those of you that are watching on Facebook, Facebook Live, by the way, you're going to get to see some of his art. You're going to get to see what this means. But when we think about living life as a great adventure, it really begs the question, are you really doing that? Are you living life as a great adventure? Or are you a great adventure wannabe? Robert, it's great to have you here. Wonderful to be here, Dr. Pat. Always good to be with you. I love this. I love the whole idea about great adventure. I love the show. And many people don't know this about you, but if they're watching on Facebook Live, they're going to look in the background. There's a piece of your art in the background. You're an artist. Today, throughout the show, we're going to talk about your new art. We're going to talk about you out in the world, as well as share with our listeners what this art is about. But more importantly, today it's about living the adventure. What does that mean to you? Sure. Well, let's let's just start with everybody in, in this world is looking for two things, joy and meaningfulness. And living the adventure gives you both. So let's, let's start in sync together if we can. Yeah. I always like to do this, Dr. Pat. Yeah. There are basically 35,000 people all over this country, all over the world listening to us. Let's get into sync and let's do this adventure together, okay? So if everybody would take a breath in. Hold it for a second. And a breath out. And we're going to do it one more time. And this time, put a smile on your face as if you're living the adventure you want to live. Breath in. And breath out. And now we're going to do it one more time. And this time, as if you've lived the most fulfilled life you've ever could imagine. Let's take a breath in. And a breath out. Now we've already done the adventure. <laughs> I got to tell you what happened to me just then. Okay. So what happens when people do that? Okay. I know you work with people all over the world. I know you teach people so many different things. And that is, a, that is something that we don't do enough. Because what happened to me is I got an image. Good. See, we already set the stage that we, we have our mindset on the adventure. 
Exactly. Exactly. But let's let me explain something. The power yeah. of numbers, when two people or more come together, when thirty-five thousand come together, when a million come together, when a billion come together, powerful. And we're gonna talk about that too. I've done mm-hmm. many uh, retreats where we go together with meditators, TM meditators, all the world, whether it be Israel, Europe, Fairfield, Iowa, Washington, DC, where we bring thousands of people together and that coherence creates a softening effect in the whole atmosphere. And it, it softens things so there's less hospitalization, the stock market goes up, people feel better, and life goes better. And we'll talk about that a little later. I really recommend everybody stay tuned for this whole hour. It's going to be a rock and roll yeah. adventure. And I'm going to tell you my story. And the reason I'm going to tell you my story is to hopefully inspire you to, to go out and live your story, to really take it up a notch or maybe even 10 notches or maybe even 100 notches and get out there and live this life and have a blast doing it. Well, and let's start with your story because I think it's important. You and I both have stories. We didn't just pop out one day and all of a sudden here we are. As a matter of fact, if you listened to the last hour, you heard Elisa say that I'm the type of person I've had to work very hard for everything. Things don't come easy. But there is a journey. There is a story. And you're here today to share yours. Where would you like to start? Well, why don't we start at the beginning? I was born here in Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) The year, I'm going to date myself here. The year was 1952, March 20th. And why that's special to me is my grandfather, Max, was born exactly 70 years before me on the same day. So we got to celebrate our birthdays together. He lived to be 108 and a half. Wow. So, and we, he was the most amazing man, one of the most amazing men I've ever met. So we can talk about that later. But anyway, born in Seattle. And was very fortunate to grow up on Mercer Island, a beautiful location with wonderful parents. Oh. My, my father was very unique in his way of uh, living life and wanting us to be unique individuals and get out and explore life. And we went on great boat trips together and, and family trips all over the country. And we'll talk about that, too. But let's talk about fourth grade, because fourth grade was a pivotal point in my life. And everybody's had this. Everybody's had a great teacher that really made that difference. And here's the story, it's a cute story. So here I am, fourth grade, nine years old, sitting in class, and the teacher's putting on a movie. And the movie's of Jackson Pollock. And if you know who Jackson Pollock was, he was one of the most famous artists in the 60s, 50s and 60s and 70s. Yeah. His paintings sell for upwards of $60 million now. And he was a drip painter. He just poured paint on the canvas and you know, had fun. So here's the movie, and I'm almost sure it was of Jackson Pollock. So it was this artist, and he was up in Cape Cod. He had a nice little beach cabin, and he laid this big board. It was like eight feet by 10 feet out, white on the beach. And he got up on his deck, and he got a flare gun. And he put a little bit of blue paint in the flare gun and shot it up and splat on the board. Got some red red paint, splat. Yellow paint, black paint, and splat. Let it dry. And the next day, he cut it up into small little pieces like this, little you know, two-foot by three-foot sections. The next day, a helicopter lands on the beach. A man with a three-piece suit gets out, carrying a briefcase, and he points at two of them, loads them up in the helicopter, and takes off. And the narrator says, and even the small ones sell for $10,000. I go, this is a great way to make a living. That changed, <laughs> that changed my life, doctor, I swear. So from then on, I was, you know, either, either subconsciously or consciously, I, that was my path in life. And I've, I've followed it ever since. And I really didn't take an art class until high school. I went to Mercer Island High School, a senior year. I had all my 
you know, requirements done. So I took a, a ceramics class just for fun. That's where all the cute girls were. So decided to get out and play. Fell in love with it. Well, I mean, part of what we're talking about, too, though, is let's break that down. One, you got to be awake enough to even be paying attention to that movie. Right? right. Let's start there. Because that's a key element to really living living the adventure, our yeah. purpose. You exactly. got to be awake enough to know, oh, that sounds good. I think I want to do that, number one. Number two, you have to be aware enough, right, to know that this thing starts to pick up energy within you, yes. right? Exactly. The energy builds, the momentum builds. Exactly. And like any adventure, you need a foundation. So here's kind of what I came up with at a very young age, at the age of nine. Basically, if you're going to go on an adventure, you need like four or five things to go with you to put into your essence. Number one, a generous and a happy heart. If you can walk through life with a generous and a happy heart, adventure will follow you everywhere you go. Next is wisdom, clear thinking, and clear goals. Okay. Every you know person that's positive thinking knows about that. But here's the other side of that. Even though you have clear goals, let go and life let life take you. You know, remember that song, Merrily, Merrily, or how does it go? Row, row, row your boat. Yeah, yeah. Down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is better. Just it, yeah. sometimes it's nice just to let life take you down that stream and just to, to put a smile on your face and to glide. And then the other one that's very important is courage. And courage is so important in the adventure because Sometimes there's some scary things, and I'm going to tell us some very cool, scary adventures I went through that were like, actually, I'm, I'm glad I'm here because there was a chance that I wouldn't make it through some of these, uh, you know, adventures. But uh, to have courage, to have the power inside you to go where no other man or no other woman has ever gone before. And that you put those four or five things together, and your life is going to be a very, very exciting adventure. Well, I think that those are important to talk about because, you know, one of the things you said, and I want to touch upon this a little bit, and let's, uh, you know, go ahead and skip the break here if we could, and we'll just uh, keep chatting about it. One is that you're going to get some challenges in life. There might be some things that happen. And, you know, we get to be in these, these, these points of decisions and time. You know, we get to think about where is our heart calling for. I want to ask you this. When did you or when was the first time, Robert, that you had a sense that your heart was leading the way and and not always your mind? Because we can make real logical. When, when did you feel your heart? Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And again, I think it was back in fourth grade. I remember I, I would spend a lot of my time daydreaming. And whenever you're daydreaming, that's when the mind lets go and the heart opens up. So I really recommend, you know, in schools, have a, have a session, an hour of daydreaming every day. And let people oh, yeah. draw or whatever they want to do. But I would recommend everyone spending some quiet time and daydream and just uh, explore where you want to go, what you want to do with your life. Because we're all running around. You know, it's 24-7 these days. And if you really want to have an adventure, you've got to step back and see mm-hmm. who you are, where you want to go, and what, what you're all about. What's, your, what's the purpose of your life? What's, what's the focus of your life? Where do you want to put your energy? Where do you want to put your time? And you can't do that if you're running 24-7. Stepping back, meditation, walks, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. so important. 
before you even start your adventure. Well, and then part of this too is now we're into the idea of exploration because if you're going to take an adventure, then somehow in there, there may be that you got to like little walk on the wild side. You know, we got to be a little bit like a little wild thing, right? Like a wild thing. So you have that. I have that. We have part of that adventurous nature, but it also takes a little bit of courage to walk on the wild side. How did you do that? How did you walk on the wild side? You know, okay, so let me back up a little bit too. You know, once again, it's foundation. I was very fortunate to be a Boy Scout, a Cub Scout before that. I actually went all the way to Eagle Scout. And what scouting does, it takes you out camping, gives you leadership skills. But the most important thing it gives is confidence, self-reliance, and, and knowledge that as things come up that I can handle them. You know, and when when you have that inside you, then you can go out and take care of these challenges. And so I really recommend any parents that are listening to this, if you have boys or girls, Girl Scouts also, get them involved in scouting or a program like that to help them build those skills so that when they're ready for their adventure, they have that confidence, that self-reliance and that ability to take care of situations as they arrive. Very, very important. You know, I, I think that sometimes, you, you know, we make a judgment about the word adventure, but I want to talk about it for a little bit because um, there's no judgment around the word, meaning that when I hear you talk about it, for some people, an adventure might mean maybe simply even thinking about taking an art class. You know, we let our minds step out and to become a little bit more adventurous in our thoughts. So we're not all talking about we're all going to get on a, you know, go join a group and climb Mount Everest. We're not really talking about that. Could you say a little bit more about that? Because sometimes when we talk about it, people may think I'm not really that adventurous. I'm not going to be wild what these two are talking about. But that's <laughs> not really what we're saying. Exactly. And so, you know, the story I'm going to tell you in a little bit is an amazing story, but it's, it's much easier as a single person because I'm my own person. I can go where I want to go and do what I go. Many who are listening here are married, have families. What I'd like to talk about is how to live a great adventure as, as a family. And there are many ways to do that. In fact, my attitude towards this, the greatest adventure anyone can ever have is having children and raising wonderful children. That's the greatest adventure. But I'll tell you what, another adventure you can have is go inward. I meditate every day. I take, yeah. you know, 24 hours off every week on, on Saturday. So it's a quiet time. And, and that in its own right to go inside is an adventure too. And, you, and it's what comes up after you go inward that is fantastic also. So there's an inward adventure. There's an outward adventure. But I really want to emphasize anyone who feels stuck in a marriage or a family saying, oh, I can't get out, I can't go to Paris, I can't, you know, do this. There is so much you can do as a family. You know, in Seattle Magazine, there are 25 adventures this month on the cover, and they're, they're really great adventures you can do within an um, hour's drive of Seattle. So get out next weekend, take your family out to Mount Rainier, to the mm -hmm. ocean, whatever. Start small, have fun as a family, and make your whole family an adventure. The way you cook for your family, make it an adventure. The way that you say goodbye, you know, to your husband as you join out, make that an adventure. The way that you do your job, make that an adventure. You can anything that you're doing that's worthwhile 
you can make an adventure. It's all attitude, Dr. Pat. I want to talk about one thing in particular, too, as we're discussing this, because a lot of times people don't want to venture along and even explore art. And, and, and they don't want to do it because they don't want to not be good enough or they're afraid of failure or they're afraid of flunking out or they're afraid of all that. But I'll tell you, my life, I've got a few flunking out moments in my life. I actually have quite a few of them. Yeah. And I want to ask you about this because I think sometimes folks might think, that, you know, we say we're going to do something and it's like the movie The Secret, then we go out and do it. But I don't know about you. I've had a few starts, a few stops, a few stalls, a few backing them up without a camera in the, in, in the, in the vehicle. But let's talk about the idea of that. Sometimes we do not, not always show up. We, we're not always number one. We do flunk out. We do have, and that's our language to describe it. It doesn't mean we feel like failure. Yeah, and, and you're right. It's terminology. It's too bad that the English, you know, in our society looks at when you're taking a step back that that's a failure. Yeah. You know, it's a cliche, of course, to say that, you know, when you fail, it's, it's one of the best things that could happen to you if you can get up and, and jump, you know, get going again. Um, if if that failure drags you down and, and that's, you know, keeping you down, then you're right. There's a problem here. But what if we could look at even our backwards as an adventure? And when I tell you the story of when I went to the Kansas City Art Institute, I'm going to tell you how as I came in, I was a rising star. And then all of a sudden, the second semester, I was like this at the bottom and I almost got kicked out of school. And then I got back up to being a star again. And I'll tell you that story. It's a great story. But your point is so well taken, Dr. Pat. If we can look at what we call a step backwards or a failure as really just an opportunity to get up and do, do it again or do something better or get it, you know, to change paths and to find the right path, that's exciting. That's part of the adventure, you know? Well, I, I think that, you, you know, there's something that we step back and we learn from. Um, have you ever felt that way about your art? Boy, um, I've been rejected to some shows, but I've, yeah. never, I've always had, because the, what my art is to me is joy. I, yeah. I can't wait to get up in the morning and go and paint. And I paint yeah. every day except for on Saturday. Mm -hmm. I have today, so I can't wait till the show's over so I can go down to my studio and paint. And what's nice, my studio's in my basement, so I have yeah. second uh, commute time every day. But I just get so much joy. It's See, and that's what happened in... When I told you I did it, took a ceramics class in high school. Yeah. Fell in love with the process, the creative process, the idea of creating something with my own hands, my own ability. That's something beautiful and it's lasting. And that's that's you know what I recommend everybody do. Find something that you can create. And that's where I get back to family. If you can create a beautiful family, beautiful children, beautiful spouse, beautiful marriage, that is the best creation you could ever do. Then, then if you do something physical like pottery or painting or dance or, you know, ping pong or whatever it might be, you know, excel in something just to be the best, the best you can be in something and to enjoy it. Take some classes, you know, like you mentioned before, I'm a dancer. I go out dancing three or four nights a week. Love it. That's my way that I physically with my body express my art. But I took classes for years and I highly recommend doing that because when you come to a level of proficiency, Everything is more fun, and then you can kind of, 
be more creative too. You can ad lib and, and throw in some extra things and, and have more, more playfulness with it. Um, adventure is always more fun with playfulness and life is more fun with playfulness. Well, and it le- one thing leads to another. I mean, I think in your case too, and you know, folks on Facebook are seeing some of your art now as we're talking about this. You, you know, one thing leads to another, and I think in your case, you decided to take the adventure out. You know, uh, going to Israel to learn transcendental meditation, right? You know, to think about you know what this means to be a painter, to explore various aspects of art you know, pottery, all of the above. But see, the key to all of that uh, is that you were willing to take that step. You know, you are willing to say, I love doing this. I'm going to pursue it. Um, What do you find is one of the most motivational aspects that that keeps you going? You know, even in the face of, failure or rejection because I know for me I was rejected pretty much by every university except one that I applied to but there's something that keeps us going right right and I think it has to do with my faith in life yeah so you like you mentioned duck pet you know my I'm a potter a painter and different things so let me tell the story of how I got there because everything that I'm going to tell you here is a foundation and a basis of how I got there. And it's just a fun, fun ride with ups and downs and little adventures. But if, if everybody listening could kind of come along, put a smile on their face, take another deep breath, and just say, you know, go with us, right? As if you're almost watching a movie of, you know, my life. So here we go. So as I mentioned, after high school, I, I graduated. As soon as I, the next day, I was off to London. My uncle had a factory in Scotland and he wanted me as the age of 19 to help go set up and be an executive at this factory in Scotland. So here I was going to be, you know, a 19-year-old kid joining the corporate world. So spent a week in London. was wonderful. It was the 70s in London. London was the swinging city at that time. Went up to this little town called Glenrothes, helped set up the factory. Got totally stressed out in the corporate world. Too much responsibility. But I got a phone call about a month in from my uncle saying, hey, taking my family to Italy, want you to come and join us. So I flew down to Switzerland, took a train across the Alps, which was one of the most beautiful train rides you could ever ever take through the Alps, and landed in, in Milan, spent a couple of days in Milan, went to Venice, which is the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. And as a future artist, all this is coming into me, to be in the canals and see the beautiful architecture in Venice, going to Lake Como, where you've got beautiful mountains shooting up on the other side, just loving, fell in love with Italy. Came back that summer after working in Scotland, went to Western Washington University, and again, stressed out. Wasn't enjoying school at all. Got into a ceramics class, which was great, and very hard to do as a freshman, but got in and was making some good pots. Anyway, after my first year of Western, stuck out my thumb, hitchhiked to Montana, down to the Tetons. Now, let me tell you the story of the Tetons, because this yeah, is. right. This is one of the most amazing stories of my life. And to give a backup story, when we were younger, when I was probably about oh, eight or nine, my father and mother rented a camper. And the four of us, the four kids, six of us all together in the camper, went from 
Seattle, up into Canada, up into Banff, Lake Louise, and then down to Yellowstone and the Tetons. The Tetons are very beautiful mountains just south of Yellowstone, and they're very jagged. They shoot six, about 14,000 feet out of the prairie in Wyoming. Wow. Gorgeous, gorgeous mountains. So at the age of six or seven, I go, I'm going to climb those mountains someday. So here was my opportunity. I'm now 20 years old, just you know, my freshman year in college, hitchhiking around the country, and I'm going to go climb the Tetons. No experience mountain climbing. So what I did is I hitchhiked all the way around the Tetons to the Idaho side, and this is June, and there's still plenty of snow up there, and I was with a guy, and you don't want to be up there alone. You don't want to solo. So I had a guy with me, and we were hiking up, and we stayed overnight one night before we were going to go over the pass, and the pass is a you know, huge climb. Mm. He decided to go back. So here I was deciding, am I going to go back with him, or am I going to go climb? And I go, I promised myself I was going to climb this mountain. So I soloed it. And this wow. was like any kind of map to speak of. And the scariest thing I probably ever did in my life, the biggest chance I ever took in my life was there was a very big river and I was following this river and the river was running really high with snow melt. And there's what's called a snow bridge where there was snow over the river and I had to cross that to continue up. But I could see the river was kind of hitting the bridge and it could collapse any second. And I took my stick to try and see if the bridge was going to hold me. I was carrying a 60-pound pack on me, and I was pretty much exhausted because it was a really hard climb, but I did it. I went over that bridge, and I made it, and I'm sure within hours after I made it, they collapsed. If I had if it had collapsed under my weight, I would not be there. Oh. So that is one time I really felt that the angels were with me, possibly God was with me, because it was really dicey, and I... You know, if I was going to do it now, I wouldn't do it. Wow. It was too chancy, too chancy. So that was a real adventure at that time. But the adventure wasn't over. So here I am climbing up this mountain, and there's a pass. And there's one on the left, and there's one on the right, and the Grand Teton's in the middle. And I could choose either the left one or the right one. The left one, I would have not made it. I did chose the right one. And when I got to the pass, the wind was blowing so hard, I had to get down on my hands and knees and crawl the last wow. time I got over the pass in snow, and I had this pack on. It was amazing. And then when I got the other side, there was a big glacier, so I just took the stick and slid down the glacier. And then by the time I got down into the woods, I was feeling really macho, looking back at the mountain, going, wow, I made it. I promised myself I was going to do it. I made it. So I wasn't through yet, Dr. Pat. As I'm walking down the path, it's a very narrow you know, path down to uh, um the Teton village, and there's a moose coming up the other way. And it's a male moose with his big antlers. You can see there's still fur on the antlers because it's springtime. And he was walking up, and I was walking down, and I was feeling pretty macho, so I wasn't going to move, you know, off the trail. But he was coming up, and we were probably about oh, 30 feet away from each other. I was very smart. I walked off the trail, and he just passed nonchalant, not even looking at me. If I had gone another 10 feet, he would have taken me out. So it was a good thing that I, you know, surrendered at that point. And then wow. I was walking down and there's, you know, this, this man and his family, you know, saw me and he goes, where'd you come from? I go, just pointed up there. And it was really that feeling of, of I accomplished something, something that I promised myself I was going to do. And that was one more time where I really gave, gave myself, you know, more confidence in life to move forward. Cause I knew now that I accomplished something. I promised myself something that was very challenging and now I was on my way. 
But wow. that's, that's only the start of my, my adventure. Oh. But you know what I love about this is it really points to something that we talk about a lot on the show. And that is you have to get into action. You have to take whatever the daydream is and convert it to action. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to let you know how you can find out more about Robert, how about uh, about Robert's art, all of the above. And when we come back, the adventure is not over. You know, where does this now lead Robert Schoenfeld to go? And are you so longing for your own adventure when we come back, it is more than just do it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. A word of caution. If you prefer the status quo and you are not interested in improving every aspect of your life, this book will trigger the shift out of you. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens is available now. Author Colette Steffen brings the powerful knowledge and life-changing energy and empowerment from the radio airwaves to the pages of her new book. To get your copy in paperback or ebook, visit thetruthisfunny.com today. Have you ever wondered if there's a way to heal the deep, hidden inner issues, wounds, beliefs, and traumas? The journey into spiritual healing engages people in all areas of their lives to heal themselves and others. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio as Dr. Jaffe brings conversations of healing of body, mind, and spirit as he merges the excellence of traditional medicine with the beauty of spiritual healing. For more information about Dr. Jaffe, this show, and his work, visit drjaffemd.com. The knowledge book currently studied in 39 countries and 15 languages around the world accelerates our evolution, takes us out of depression, offers universal truth, protects us, and makes us stronger, both spiritually and physically. So if you are interested in the knowledge book, visit usa.thenowledgebook.net and tune in to the Knowledge Book Radio with Marge Potasik on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Is traditional medicine not working for you? Do you still feel as if your health isn't 100%? Here at the Holistic Medical Center, Dr. Nushin Darvish and the qualified staff look through the dimensions of wellness and start a healing plan prioritized to your needs. Our physicians assess the whole you until complete health is achieved. Get the help you need by visiting drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. Are you ready to make deep, lasting, transformative changes? Then tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio for Susanna Jameson's hit show, Love Light Sound Radio. During her show, Susanna inspires and supports spiritually and health-conscious individuals all over the world to reconnect with their hearts, their inner peace, and balance. Love Light Sound Radio. Transformation happens here now. For more information, visit SusannaJameson.com. Are you looking to grow spiritually, expand your consciousness, increase psychic abilities? Well, there's a free app for that. Pure Light offers audios that transmit high spiritual frequencies to help you awaken to your full potential. Hundreds of audios created by some of the world's top energy healers, and many are free. Enjoy the latest in conscious technology and download Pure Light today. To find out more, visit purelightaudio.com. Feel the rain. 
everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're talking with Robert Schoenfeld, living life as a great adventure. Uh, this is one artist's story. Today, you're hearing his story, not only his story about, you know, what it's like in life to be awake and aware and see the opportunities, but to also create them. And, you know, what is it when you go through life and sometimes you look like you're winning and other times you look like you're not? How do we keep moving forward? And today's really a story about that. It's about your own personal passion perspective and how to move forward regardless of what the outside world might show you. Robert, before we talk about Japan and some of your other travels, how can people uh, take a look at your art? Where, where can they find your art? Sure. So my website's my last name. It's schoenfeldart.com, and I'll spell that for you. It's S-C-H-O-E-N. F-E-L-D, and then art.com. So it's schoenfeldart.com. And my email is very easy. It's robert at schoenfeldart.com. And if you want to know more about my art, you can give me a call, 206-722-1988. Yeah, and I would encourage folks to please go to the website because, you know, Robert and I talking about it doesn't do it proper justice. And I think when you come and you go see the beauty that he's created, you're going to get a sense of how meaningful this story today is. Um, Robert, thank you so much for today. Um, the journey does continue. And before getting to what you're creating today, you went through a bunch of steps, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What and came this next? <laughs> this is really fun. This is really fun. And again, the reason I'm sharing this story with everybody here is so that you can possibly bring more adventure into your life and to see how by living more spontaneously, this can all unfold in your own life too. So here we go. So I went back after hitchhiking around the country, California and stuff, went back to Western for my sophomore year, and I wasn't enjoying school. After the second day of class, I decided to quit school and go to Hawaii. So I grabbed a friend of mine named Dave. We hitchhiked down to Phoenix, Arizona. And then hitchhiked down to San Diego and flew to Hawaii. I spent a year in Hawaii. And this is, this is the story. It was a blast. So we got there to the Big Island in Kailua. And we were living on the beach. For three months, we just lived on the beach, body surfing, having a great time, eating coconuts. But we didn't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a pretty skinny guy. And we were, you know, on the beach cracking up this coconut. And it was rotten. And we go, we got to get some jobs here. So... Yeah. <laughs> I went to, a, went to a place called the Banyan Court Cafe, and there was a guy named Lorenzo there that ran it, small little cafe in Kailua that's not, a, not there anymore. And we said, please, 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 let us wash your dishes for a meal. So he did, because he had to clean up the restaurant every night for himself. He loved the idea of having these two guys clean up his restaurant for him. So if we did that for nine months, we cleaned up his restaurant every night for a meal. Eventually, I got a job doing carpentry up in the up in the mountains and loved it, building beautiful homes, and lived in Kailua for nine months, loved it, then went to Kauai and Maui. So let me tell you some stories on Maui. Yeah. Maui has a mountain called Haleakala, 10,000 foot. Beautiful. Yeah. Everybody goes up there for the sunrise. Yeah. Well, this was many years ago. I actually camped out in the crater, in the cone, one night. And then hiked all the way down 10,000 feet to Hana 
um, the next morning. It's a very difficult hike. It's all downhill from 10,000 feet. Once again, just like the Teton story I was telling you, I was feeling pretty macho. And guess what? I was walking down the road, and what was coming the other way? Not a moose, but a big longhorn, you know, bull. Wow. <laughs> that was a fairly, fairly narrow road. So it's almost like a rerun of the last story. Here I am feeling pretty macho, coming down, and the bull's coming at me, I'm coming at it, and I moved over to the other side and let the bull move through. It was, it was so funny. That, it that just, puts it in perspective, doesn't like, it, though? Later. Yeah, same thing. But it was so beautiful to be at Hana. I spent a week at the pools, had a blast there. And then went to Kauai and hiked in the valley, which is 11 miles in the Kahalal. Oh. And, and as a future artist, this is all, I'm just absorbing God's beauty and just enjoying this beauty. And every moment of it, I had a smile on my face. It was just so beautiful. But there's one thing about Hawaii. It's very laid back, very easy lifestyle. And my attitude was, if I stayed one year and a day, it'd be called what's called Pauhana. I would just be living that laid-back life. But I'm an ambitious guy. I've always been. So one day before year was up, I flew to San Francisco and started the next adventure. So hang on to your seatbelts because here's, here's another adventure for you. So I hitchhiked up to Redding, California, Shasta College, because they had a great ah. program, great glass blowing program. And after spending one day at Redding, I decided this isn't fit for me. So I hitchhiked up to Port Angeles. And there's a college called Peninsula College there. And I signed up and went to school there. And they have a great ceramics program. I rented a little cabin on a lake called Lake Sutherland, which is right in the Olympic Mountains. Gorgeous spot. And drove every day. I got some friends. We got rented the cabin. Drove into school every day. Did wonderful ceramics. This is one of the first vases I made. If you're on the video, you can see it. At, awesome. Uh, yep. little porcelain vase. And... Uh, Graduated from there, and then I was going to do a little trip down to Costa Rica, but I decided to do some pottery workshops along the way that summer with some of the top names, Paul Solner, David Shainer, and they were great workshops, and ended up in Vernell, Utah, doing a workshop with David Shainer, and after the workshop, he goes, well, what are you going to do? I go, well, I'd like to make pots. He goes, well, if you want to go back to school, you can go to Hawaii, back to Hawaii and have fun, but if you want to get serious about doing ceramics, you got to go to the Kansas City Art Institute. It's the best school in the country. And I go, okay, sounds good to me, but I don't want to go live in Kansas City. Yeah. He says, Ken Ferguson, who's the chairman of the ceramics department at Kansas City Art Institute, has a summer cabin in Centennial, Wyoming, 100 miles north of here. Go visit him, tell him I sent you, and see if he lets you in. So I did. I spent eight days with him firing kills and talking pots. And the funniest story, Dr. Pat, so he liked me and wanted me as a student, no portfolio review, no academic review, the most difficult school in the country to get into for ceramics. And he takes out a notebook paper and says, let this student in. And he signs it. And he says, send this to the register and you'll be a, you'll get into school. And he wow. put, come in as a sophomore. And I go, but, you know, I've had two years of school. I want to come in as a junior. And he goes, no, 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 you're coming in as a sophomore. Uh-huh. You know, it's a very expensive private school. I didn't want to spend three years in Kansas City. Two years would be okay. And I won that argument. We went back and forth. That's the only argument I won with him. And he mm -hmm. crossed out uh, sophomore for junior. Um, and it's really maybe it went best if I had. Now, as I tell you the story, you'll see why. Maybe it would be best for me to spend three years there. But anyway, here I am driving down to Kansas City. It's unbelievably hot when I got there. Summertime. 100% humidity. 90 degrees miserable 
I go into the kill room in the it's a big dome kill room. Wow. And two women unloading a kill, kills like 500 degrees. They've got fireman suits on, asbestos suits with the, the, the head thing, the gloves, the jacket, the booties. And they're unloading this kill at 500 degrees. And I go, wow, if the kids, if the students are this dedicated at this school, this is where I got to go. So oh, I man. Signed up. It's been two years in Kansas City at the Art Institute. So here's the story. And it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting story. So I'm the new kid on the block. Everybody else has been there for four years, you know, two other years. And so it's kind of hard to come into a school like that as the new kid in the block. But I, I made it because my work was really good. I was, when I started out, I was really one of the stars and making great stuff, great stuff. And then my second semester, I hit bottom. Oh. Who knows what happened? Right. But the pots were lousy, you know. And there was a rumor going around school that Ferguson's going to kick Schoenfeld out. He's not going to be invited back for his senior year. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever had your heart into something. And, yeah, boy. And they're going to take that away from you. It's yeah. miserable. And that's how I felt. Like, uh-oh. So um, Ferguson calls me into the office. This is the last day of school for the, before the summer, uh, junior year. And he sits me down, and I'm petrified. I'm thinking he's saying, Schoenfeld, you're not welcome back. And the first thing he says, okay, Schoenfeld, what are you going to do this summer? And I go, well, I'm going to go to the Grand Canyon and go to exploring. He goes, no, you're not. You're going to summer school. And the summer school is the last thing in the world I wanted to do. But at least I felt relieved that he wasn't kicking me out. Yeah. So uh, he won that one. I went to summer school. And Dr. Pat, I did worse. I didn't do good at all. <laughs> and so now there were really rumors going around the school that Schoenfeld wasn't coming back. And... Uh, so he calls me in the office, and he sits me down, and I'm really scared. And he goes, okay, Schoenfeld, what are you going to do? And I go, I'm going to make tea ceremony pots. And he goes, no, you're not. You're going to make functional pots. But at least I was accepted back in. <laughs> and by the time my senior year, at my uh, graduation, and my final critique, oh, oh, let me back up a little bit. There was a rumor going around school right before the graduation that Ferguson said there are only seven good potters left in Japan, and Schoenfeld could be one of them. Because the work I did was kind of a Japanese tea ceremony. Mm -hmm. And here, I can show you a pot. This is a very rustic. Oh, wow. Um, and this is part of my graduation piece in Kansas City. This is over 40 years old, a long time ago. But Ferguson, in my critique, goes and puts a star on my forehead and says, Schoenfeld, you go back to Seattle and you'll be a star. So and I graduated with honors from the school. So ups and downs. Wow. So I'll tell you a quick story. So once I graduated. But, you know, part of this story is, the bottom line is that, you know, I had to go to summer school, too. I wasn't going to graduate high school. I mean, game over was game over. And oh, uh, and summer good. school wasn't actually that great for me either. And uh, but we we did go. See, that's what I want to say. We we went and part of that is a lesson in humility. Yes. You know, it's a lesson in humility because being able to look and say, I really didn't do all that great here. Man, okay, I'm being given a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. See, and, and you didn't blow that, you didn't blow by that. That's very key to your story because you have a ton of those, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, but then you go on and you actually go on to really look at what am I going to do with this? Am I going to be the artist I'm meant to be? Exactly. 
exactly. So once I graduated, I had a, a, a van and I took my van and I headed for LA with the idea of heading up the Pacific coast, find the most beautiful place in the world, build a studio and be in a potter for the rest of my life. That was the plan. So here I am driving up the coast from Santa Barbara up through Big Sur, which is beautiful, up to San Francisco, up to Mendocino in the Northern California, and not finding what I'm looking for, the Oregon villages. And then I'm coming up to the peninsula, and I'm coming up right by Port Townsend, and all of a sudden that voice inside me says, look left, and I look left, and Dr. Pat, there's the most beautiful mountain lake right there with the Olympic Mountains shooting 6,000 feet on their side, gorgeous. And I go, wow, this is it. But I kept driving because I was meeting a friend for dinner that night uh, in Port Townsend. And a couple months later, a friend of mine says, I know you're looking for a cabin on the peninsula. There's a cabin for sale on a lake. Go check it out. So I went and checked it out. Dr. Pat, the cabin was on that lake. Wow. And I bought it right then. It's at 220 feet of waterfront. And the cabin actually went over the water. And I built a studio right next to it with 20-foot high ceilings, all glass out to the lake and out the mountains. Let me tell you, I know we're kind of running low on time, but let me tell you an amazing story that happened one winter. The lake froze over and it was thick. And what happened is, like I told you, my house was over the water. The foundation was in the water. The ice sheet was being blown into the house and the house was being destroyed. Me and my dog were out lightning storm night. Lights were out. Wind was blowing. I had a big post and I was breaking the ice for, you know, because otherwise it would have destroyed my full foundation. And finally... I was exhausted, laid back, and the wind stopped right when I laid back and, and saved the house. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty exhilarating. I think it's kind of cool because about 30 years ago, I learned a term. And the term was, uh, I was asked, would you go to any lengths for this? Would you go to any lengths? And, you know, for me, it was something so important in my life that I, and I was so down and out that I immediately said, Yes, I'll go to any lengths. Wow. And so that has now become a reincurring theme for me. You know, when I find something that I'm passionate about that will do good in the world, that will bring more joy, whatever it's going to be, you know, positivity, I have to ask myself the question, am I willing to go to any length? Exactly. And I think that's what you're sharing. You know, my mom called it perseverance. Right. But it's a little bit more than perseverance. It's, yes, I'm going to per persevere, but I'm going to go to any lengths to restore my vision, my dream, my hope. And that's key to what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. I could see you out there with the ice thing. Exactly. It was great. So here I am, and, and I love making pots. But I was finding out it was frustrating because I couldn't make enough money to really make a good living. So after about a year or so of making pots, I was thinking, what can I do, Dr. Pat? Sell real estate, become public relations for the Supersonics. But an opportunity came up that was life-changing for me. So I've been doing TM, Transcendental Meditation, for about six years. And what happened is, where this ties in, is uh, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, the founder of TM, invited 500 of us meditators to go to Israel to meditate for peace. And the story was, back in 1978, President Carter was looking to get peace between Israel and Egypt, Sadat and Begin. And he was working very hard on it, but the peace talks had broken off. And it didn't look like they were coming back together. 
So the idea was to bring 500 meditators together to Israel to meditate, to soften the effect, to create coherence, because when you get bring large numbers of meditators together, it creates that kind of coherence so that this piece could come together. And we did. We I jumped on it. And it was a training to get what's called the TM cities, which is an advanced technique in meditation. And we went to the town called Safat, which is in northern Israel. And that's where the Kabbalah is a very spiritual center. And we just yeah. over the, the whole town, 500 of us from all of the United States. And for two and a half months, all we did was meditate. We wake up in the morning, meditate, have lunch, go for a walk, come back, meditate, go to bed. So for hours and hours of meditating and learning this, the city's technique, Dr. Pat, within a, within a month of us being there, the talks were back on between say, uh, Sadat and Begin. Within two months of us being there, they signed the initial peace treaty. And it was just amazing. And it was one of the most amazing experiences in my life. Mm. But not only did I learn the city's technique, but I also got a gift then. Yeah. I was given the gift, I really feel from God, to go in and stop doing the ceramics and to paint. The colors that I paint with, I could close my eyes and I would see these colors. I would open mm. my eyes and I would see these colors. So even when I was meditating and even when I wasn't meditating, I was like being downloaded with this beautiful inspiration of these beautiful colors. And that's where I got this feeling of invincibility to go back to Seattle, do no more ceramics, and just start painting. I'd be very successful. And I went, you know, went back to Seattle. My parents took me out for dinner. They wanted to hear all about this, you know, this story you know, to Israel. And I told them, listen, I'm going to stop doing ceramics. I'm going to start painting. And my dad goes, come on, you're doing great with pottery. You can't paint. But within a couple months, I was winning awards, making five to ten times the income I was doing in ceramics. Felt so much better of myself. A couple months later, my dad comes, puts his arm on my shoulder, says, hey, that decision you made about switching to painting was a good good decision. So that's how I became a painter. And the joy that it brings you. I mean, you can see it in, in, in your paintings. You know, you could see the joy and you could see the creativity and you could see sort of the flow of your life and how you're using color and, you know, and the emotion of them and, you know, to bring the energy. Because one of the things I hear from you as you share your story is how powerful, you know, this idea of harnessing creative energy is. And it really does require... You, you know, it's almost like a great recipe. You you want to have this level of creativity, but this delicious sauce of humility and integrity along the way. I mean, that's really kind of what we're looking at. You know, your message too, though, and these final minutes we have is there are every moment is a miracle. And yes. that's your message. Robert, uh, please, t- again, tell everyone the the website and then let's talk about live your life uh, as a miracle. Beautiful, beautiful. So again, my website's my last name, Schoenfeld, schoenfeldart.com, S-C-H-O-E-N-F-E-L-D-art.com. And my email's robert at schoenfeldart.com. So yes, living your life in a miracle. Let, let's do a test for a second. Here's the way you can test if you're living an adventurous life. If you can wake up every morning with a smile on your face and glory in your heart saying, thank God I'm alive. Mm. Just everybody do that right now. Just say, thank God I'm alive. And if we can get a million people every morning to to do that, thank God I'm alive. A billion people every day, thank God I'm alive. Seven and a half billion people together every day saying, thank God I'm alive. 
We can change this world, Dr. Pat. If you can make your life an adventure, go out and bring joy to this world, not only to yourself, bring creativity to this world, not only to yourself, but to others, and just enjoy the ride, Dr. Pat, we can create a better world. It's not just for our own sake to live life as an adventure. It's for the world, that we can raise the vibration of this whole world by living our life as an adventure. Wow. Robert, I know we've talked about a lot today, but I want to go back in this last minute or so. I want to go back to how you started. And what that is, is you've talked about, you know, there are ways and things you've learned about bringing beauty into this world, a sense of immortality to really create and live with the flow of that, uh, to create a better future and to have fun along the way. And what your story demonstrates is how those four elements work together to build just a beautiful, beautiful joy tapestry. So thank you so much for that. One last question, and again, your website. What's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with today? Well, the personal message is, like you mentioned before, Dr. Pat, that life is a miracle, that every second is a miracle. And there's once you really can see how just unbelievable life is, your life will become an adventure. So just get out there, have fun in life. And like I say, if you're married with a family, make that family an adventure. That's, that's the most beautiful thing you could possibly do. My website again, schoenfeldart.com. Love to hear from you. Love to share my art with you. Thank you, Robert. And for all of you, I'm Dr. Pat. If you want to find out more about me, go to the drpatshow.com or you can go to transformationtalkradio.com. And again, once you go to Robert's website and you take a look at that art, you know, think about what you want to create and more importantly, give Robert a call. Thank you, Robert. Thank you for the beauty and thank you for the fun. But most importantly, thank you for the joy you bring in the world. Thank you. Great job, Pat. Thank, thank you. you, everybody. Thank you for pushing all the right buttons. Stay tuned for another hour on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Ciao. You've been listening to The Art of Powerful Living Radio with Robert Schoenfeld and Dr. Pat Vasily. Powerful living doesn't stop here. Join the billions of people around the world in a global moment of joy. Visit globalmomentofjoy.com and discover love, beauty, joy, and happiness because Robert knows you deserve it. And be sure to tune in once a month with Robert Schoenfeld and Dr. Pat Basile for The Art of Powerful Living Radio. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.